We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Hello, little woman family. Today's comment shout-out goes to the other art blog who says, It baffles me how people can deny Joe's and Friedrich's attraction to one another. Quote, a regular German, rather stout, with brown hair, tumbled all over his head, bushy beard, good nose, the kindest eyes I ever saw, and a splendid big voice that does one's ears good after our shop was littered American gabble. His clothes were rusty, his hands were large, and he hadn't a really handsome feature on his face, except for the beautiful teeth, yet I liked him, for he had a fine head. His linen was very nice and he looked like a gentleman. Nobody, nobody describes, quote, just a friend like that. She notices his eyes, his hands. It was lost at first sight. I am very excited about today's episode. I have a very special guest with me today. Author Jen Brady, who has written a book series called Marchester Sweet Romance, inspired by Little Woman. And we will be talking mainly about the first book in the series called Subscribing to the Enemy, which is a modern retelling of Joe's and Friedrich's love story. Jen contacted me on Instagram when she was writing the series and told me that fan of this podcast and asked if I'd be interested reading her books. And I was like, an entire full romance novel dedicated to Joe and Friedrich. Sign me in. And I really love the book. And I look forward to reading the rest of the series. Before we let Jen tell about her book series more in depth, I thought I would share my favorite scene in Subscribing to the Enemy. Your turn, he announced. What would you change? I knew instantly the one thing I'd most want to change about myself. And there was no way I was admitting it to Rick. I'm not playing that game. I did my best to look bored with the topic as I turned to the computer. We should get to work. He nudged my arm with his elbow playfully. Come on, the one thing you'd most like to change about yourself. It doesn't have to be related to film. I'd want to be as pretty as my sisters. Christopher Columbus. I'd said it out loud. Throw the private thought out into the universe. And in front of Rick... If I'd been looking away, there was no way I would have been able to meet his eyes. I would have avoided them for the rest of our working session and maybe for the rest of my life. But I'd been glaring right at him when I'd blurted my secret out. And now I find myself frozen, my gaze locked in his. His eyes softened from playful and challenging to surprised and then turned, confused. Then something I couldn't figure out. Was he disappointed in me for being so petty? Surprised, I admitted it. Disillusioned that I wasn't the person I'd portrayed to the world. The person he thought I was. Disappointed that the girl under my confident, strong, single woman ready to slay anything that stood in my way without the help of a guy, mantra, was a hot mess. But if you tell anybody what I said, I deny it. And there's no way anyone would believe it, so this is between us. But yes, if I could change one thing about myself, I'd want to be as pretty as my sisters. But you don't care about things like that, he sputtered, his expression still baffled. Says who? 
you you talk about it on your videos all the time how you don't want to date in high school how women can do anything without men how this time should be for more than prom dates and social circles right because if i don't want my mouth went dry and my heart tuddled in my chest as the realization pierced through my heart and made its way to my brain i sat down so hard that my teeth slammed together Rick slowly sank down onto the couch next to me. If you don't want what? It was still swirling around my mind, which is probably why I didn't clam up. I was too stunned with myself to censor the thought from escaping. If I don't want a boyfriend, then it won't matter that I'm not pretty like my sisters. It won't matter if no guy ever wants me, if I don't want him. I didn't have to worry about my feelings intensifying for Rick, and what it all meant because he'd never in a million years feel anything for me. I never understood why people want you to end up together. Rick didn't know when to stop, twisting the knife through my heart. I swallowed hard, blinked back tears and turned to face him. I think it's the Cinderella thing. My voice sounded weak and pathetic, in my own ears. I had to buck up, to at least pretend this conversation didn't bother me. I wouldn't give him the satisfaction. Poor ragamuffin girl with suit in her hair going nowhere in life manages to catch the eye of the rich, handsome, charming prince. What? Rick's eyes widened and he looked horrified. He stood up and took a step toward me. That's not what I meant at all. It's okay. I waved my hand trying to pretend like it didn't matter. I am fully aware. No. He moved closer to me, so close his arm brushed mine as he reached down and took my hand and intertwined our fingers. My stupid body still reacted to him, goosebumps crumpting all over my arms at his touch, even though he'd been a jerk. It's the story of how an egoistical hotshot who thinks punking people is hilarious somehow snacks a strong, feisty, insanely talented girl who's going to set this world on fire someday. I stared at him, trying to process what he just said. It made no sense. I must have heard him wrong. Did you just say? He hooked an arm around my waist and put me to him. He dropped my hand and combed his fingers through my hair, brushing it behind my ear. He swallowed, his jaw working. You are all those things and beautiful. It seemed the two pieces of me had reached a stalemate, but then my heart stepped in to break the tie. It said he thought I was beautiful and strong and fiercely and talented. I didn't have to wear my desire to be single like a badge of honor to combat the fear that no guy would ever find me attractive when an amazing one already did. This has been mentioned many times in this podcast before. Joe is not written to be beautiful in Little Woman and in the novel she's very insecure about her looks and her body. And Louisa May Alcott, I think people might have called her a handsome woman. She was very tall and quite masculine, but then Louisa became very sick after she returned from the Civil War when she had worked as a nurse and she never fully recovered. And some of the treatments that she had to take, they affected her physical appearance. So Jo's insecurity about her looks has a base in reality. In Little Woman, when Friedrich proposes Jo, he tells her that to him she is the most beautiful woman in the entire universe. In Joe's voice, 
which is the last Little Woman book, Jo has gained some weight and she doesn't feel herself very attractive. And then Fritz once again says that to him she always looks beautiful. Jen and I will talk more about this in this episode. You can get one free month on Skillshare with the affiliate link in the description. Skillshare offers endless amount of courses that can teach you new skills. Anything from speaking, public, creative writing. I have taken many Skillshare courses and I can highly recommend them. I will also add a link to Jen's author page to the show notes if you would like to get this book series to yourself. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, Little Woman podcast, writing modern day little woman with Jen Brady. Enjoy! Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, sure. My name is Jen Brady, and I have been a writer for many, many years. I started publishing in 2002, way back in the very beginning of the, the indie author uh, movement. And I used to write books for middle grade and young adult centered around a fictional summer camp. I had had a lot of summer camp experience. And so that's what I wanted to write about. Then more recently, I had decided to branch out into new genres. And I discovered the sweet romance genre. And I never thought I would be a romance writer or reader. But I kind of fell in love with this genre and read a bunch in it and decided I wanted to try to write it. And I had always wished there was a version of Little Women that took place in our times. And so for my first series in the new genre, I decided to write a four book series based on Little Women. And so that's what I did last year. And it's been a lot of fun kind of translating the original source material of Little Women into how the March sisters would exist today. That's awesome. I just made a post to my blog that I was going to do this podcast with you. And then I was like, you know what? When I read this book, I thought it was much more closer to the original than most of Little Women adaptations that are supposed to be period dramas. What's your relationship with Little Women? Well, I have loved Little Women. It's been probably my favorite book since I was a kid. Um, I remember the first thing I remember reading or watching Little Women Wise was one of those children's classics where it's an abridged version with the pictures and the big print and you pretty much just get the basics of the story. And I just loved the story and thought it was was fun and I loved all the sisters and then a couple years later when I was probably oh 11 or 12 my grandma found the animated series of Little Women it was a Japanese anime made in the early 80s and they were showing the the repeats of it on my grandma lived in the big city so she had a lot of tv channels <laughs> um back when you know tv channels were a thing instead of streaming services and so she 
found this Little Women show and knew I'd liked the book. So she started recording it for me. And when I saw her every month or two, uh, she would bring me a new VHS with several taped episodes on it. And I must have watched that thing dozens and dozens of times. And I would get all my friends to watch it. Besides the first season, which is kind of kind of strange and doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the story of Little Women, although they do keep the flavor of the characters, the seasons two through four are very true to the book and the characters. It ends with Joe going off to New York, so there's no Friedrich and there's no Paris and there's no basically there's no good wives part of it but it's pretty true to the first book and so I watched that over and over and over again and then when I was older my uncle no I think he must have known I loved Little Women he gave me a for Christmas a nice hardcover version of the unabridged uh, Little Women and Good Wives together which is how we in America usually have Little Women And I read that over and over. So, and then in the 90s, when I was in high school, the Winona Ryder version came out of the movie. So, of course, my friends and I would watch that over and over. And then when I was kind of researching to write my own series, I read the book again through the lens of an adult. (laughs) And I watched every movie adaptation I could get my hands on just to kind of see how other people had adapted it and get the story more ingrained in my mind. That's really nice that your family has been supporting your hobby. My cousins lived in Boston, well near Boston. They lived in Andover and as a kid we would go visit them every year for like four or five years in a row and one year we got to go to Orchard House And I think my cousins and my brother were bored, but I loved it. It was my favorite part of the trip that year. And we got to see the house where Louisa May Alcott grew up and wrote a lot of Little Women. And we got to see the, I can't remember the name of it. It's the author grave site that's nearby where she's buried and um, some of her family members and other writers are. So I think my mom loved Little Women too, (laughs) and my grandma. Yeah, I, I grew up watching the Winona Ryder version. Then I read the books as well. When I started doing this podcast, my mom started uh, to give me all these versions of Little Women that I hadn't seen before. I was surprised that you could find so many of them here in Finland. Oh. Yeah. Different um, versions on DVD and so on. Okay. Yeah. Back to your book. I was wondering, when you were doing uh, the research for the the series. Where did you get inspiration? Like you must have like a lot of things that you had to come up with yourself and then there were things that you took from the books and some from Algot's real life. Some of the books were a lot easier to write than others because there was a lot more source material. For people who aren't familiar with my books, it's a four-volume series and one for each of the sisters. For example, the the book that's about Beth, there's not really a lot of Beth in Little Women. She doesn't really do a whole lot. She's she's sweet and um, the peacemaker and everybody loves her and she's got her cats and her music, but she really doesn't have 
much of a storyline. So for that book, it was almost like creating my own story. <laughs> I could draw on some of the things that happened and on her personality, but there was a lot of my inventing things and what I thought, you know, she would be like in 2021, but there wasn't really a whole lot of source material. So that one I did have to kind of make up a lot of my own story too, but the other ones had so much in Little Women and Good Wives and also a little bit of um, Little Men. I read that book. I think I had read Little Men years and years ago because as I was reading it, things were familiar. Certain scenes would pop out at me like, hey, I kind of had a, a memory of them. But I read that book too, just to kind of get more a handle on the, the characters. But there was so much in those two books. I thought of myself as really translating the story from 1860s to 2020, 2021. So yeah, I did a lot of making things up, but a lot of it was just, okay, I really liked this chapter of, of the book. What would that look like now? That's the feeling that I got when I was reading the Joan Friedrich book. That's the one I have now read, and I'm going to order a full box of them. And I will read them all. Well, you'll like the rest of them. Yeah, I think I will. It was so funny to me because I was now rereading it again because I knew you would be my guest. And I was like, oh, this is so nice because Jo in the, in the original book, she's a big fan of Germany and German culture. And I was like, oh, you're actually adding like modern day German references here. That's so nice. I tried to make their personalities pretty similar to what they were and what what readers were going to be hoping to see did have to make some changes but I tried to keep the the flavor of the original because I love the original and that's why I even embarked on this project in the first place it was so nice because there were all these scenes that I could recognize from then you just gave your own flavor for it stuff like Rika playing horse with Christina and yeah, I went through the book and I made notes. I think I have a picture on my Facebook of all the little, um, what are they called? Post-it notes. I had these yeah. tiny little post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we are probably going to spoil this book a bit in this episode. People have been warned. One of the things that I really liked was this idea that Joe and Laurie would have a YouTube channel. It was so clever that you would combine the shipping fan culture into this Joe and Laurie fan narrative. That was fun. I don't know how I got the idea. I guess just seeing all the people that, that do ship Joe and Laurie in the book and how Joe just thinks that's kind of a ridiculous ship. <laughs> I just tried to translate that into, you know, what would happen when we watch these people. I recently talked with someone on this podcast how Laurie kind of sees Joe as a safety net where he can fall back on when things go wrong or he doesn't get what he wants. So I kind of saw that in your novel and I really liked it because there is this scene where he tells their followers how he fell in love with her but then it's also because he was lonely and she sort of adopted him. On the Joe and Laurie ship. <laughs> I understand why people do 
ship Joe and Lori, especially those who have only seen the movies, because, you know, as you and I have talked about on your your Facebook and your blog before, translating Little Women into a two-hour movie is really hard. You have to leave a lot out. And that's why I wanted to do four separate books so that each character would have time to, you know, make their character arc. In the movies, a lot of times, as as you've talked about, a lot of times these arcs are missing. Um, they only told tell part of the story. And to be honest, if I might have been a Joe and Lori shipper if I only watched the movies. But since my first experience with Little Women was the the anime in which Oh, it's so funny and it's so true to the book. Joe and Lori are always fighting in the anime and there's like no romantic feelings. It more is like a brother-sister relationship, which is kind of how the book always portrayed them. It didn't glamorize Joe, the cartoon, and it didn't glamorize Lori. And it was actually told through the viewpoint of Amy. She was the narrator of this. There would be a little minute or so at the beginning and end of each episode where the Amy character kind of summed up what was going on. And so you didn't go through the series hating Amy because she was the one telling you the story. And Joe and Lori had these wonderful qualities, and they also had flaws, just like in the book. With those as my first experiences with Little Women, I came to the movies knowing that this was going to be an adaptation and this wasn't the whole story. So for me, I've always liked Amy and Lori together and Joe and Friedrich together because that's how the book portrayed it. And then to a lesser extent, the anime, uh, even though, you know, Friedrich wasn't in the anime and Amy and Lori were pretty young at the end of the anime, it didn't get into the relationships, but it set it up the same way as Louisa May Alcott set it up, that these were friends and that was all Joe and Lori were ever going to, to be. So to me, I never really was a Joe and Lori shipper, but I can see why people would be if they just watched the movies, because the movies always kind of romanticize the good parts of the characters. They always pick actors and actresses that have chemistry together, and you want Winona Ryder and Christian Bale to be the couple, but but I never did because I knew the whole story. Yeah, it's either... Christian Bale and Winona Ryder or, or Timothy Chalamet and Cyrus Roden. I loved Winona Ryder and Christian Bale. They're probably my favorite, Joe and Lori. I need to add this anime to my watch list because I haven't seen it and I like the idea that Amy is the narrator. Here, I know in America you can watch it on Amazon Prime. You can also find episodes on YouTube. It's called Tales of Little Women. Looking for something different this Thanksgiving? Take your family to the National Army Museum in Alexandria, Virginia. Just minutes from I-95 with free admission and parking. This is the perfect holiday outing for families of every size. You'll love the flight and tank simulators, 300-degree theater, and interactive training center. And you'll come face-to-face with rare and never-before-seen artifacts from Army history. It's all at the National Army Museum, with shopping and dining, too. Open on Thanksgiving Day and all weekend long. Plan your visit at usarmymuseum.org. 
Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. They also did Little Men. They never translated that. So I had to watch, I had to read with the captions, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some episodes of the Little Men anime. And then the other anime from the 90s where Joe was blonde, but that wasn't so good. I like the idea that Amy is the narrator. I didn't know any different. <laughs> um, it was interesting, kind of, because the book is more you know, Joe-centered. I mean, not really, though, because in Good Wives, there's a lot about Megan, there's a lot about Amy. But if you had to pick, like, one character, like, whose viewpoint it kind of was, I would think Joe. But in the anime, that was interesting that Amy kind of narrated it. And I don't know if they did that because she was the youngest and she was the age of, like, the viewers. And they wanted the kid to be the one narrating it and drawing the kids into the story or if they did that because they wanted you not to dislike Amy or I don't know why they chose that but that was I thought that was interesting too yeah very interesting I think the only adaptation that I that I can think of that really clearly shows Joe and Laurie as brother and a sister is the 2018 modern adaptation I liked that that yeah, um, version. Too. That was a fun one. All others, it just romanticizes in John Laurie, but I always rant about it. And I don't know why, because the two um, couples in the book, the way Louisa intended it, I thought those were both great stories. So I, I, it must just be the time constraints. I know that Laurie was super popular character in the 19th century. But now when you think about the way he behaves, it's very questionable. See, I like book Laurie better than than idealized, romanticized Laurie. I think he's hilarious. He feels a lot more real character because he has these sort of 19th century Brad boy qualities. But then I also really like that because then you can see how much he grows with that relationship with Amy. And it's the opposite to the way he... Behaves with Joe. Yeah, it's much more interesting when everybody's arcs are thrown in there. It's interesting to see them all grow up. One thing that was fun was getting to write from the perspective of each of the main characters. That was kind of fun because I had to really get into the head of not just Joe or Amy, but um, John Brooke and Lori and Beth. So it, it was kind of a motivation to go digging for more character traits and more of the maybe lesser known parts of the original novel so that I could, you know, accurately portray, you know, how these characters who maybe don't have as big of a part ever in the adaptations or even in the original to portray them. You know, the, the anti-Joe and Frederick shippers, they're always like, saying that Joe wasn't attracted to Frederick or 
Joe was attracted to Laurie or she was asexual or she didn't care about romance and whatever. They come up with these excuses. So I really liked in your book the scene of Rick telling Joanne that she's beautiful in his eyes. That was probably my favorite scene in the entire book. Oh, thanks. That was fun for it, too. And I think this is why all the Joes are always these tiny little pretty things. People want to read and watch pretty people. <laughs> and But some of the characters were not written to be these pretty leading man, leading lady types. So I was kind of trying to walk the line of, well, readers are going to want their romantic leads to be attractive, but you know, in real life, we're not all beauty queens. <laughs> and in Little Women, she, she wrote real-looking people. So I did try to kind of figure out what would be attractive to that character and kind of center on what makes that person beautiful to the person who is falling in love with them, um, to try to walk that line of of staying true to the book, but also giving the readers romance readers what they are hoping to see. I always read Jo's time in New York presentation of her sexual awakening and then later on when I talked with different Little Woman fans had the same reading experience and then it was a surprise to me because there is this idea that Louisa May Alcott wasn't interested in romance or sex. Then when you read Louisa's journals she has this whole paragraph of her own, as much as you can call it a sexual awakening in, in 19th century, because you had to censor everything that had to do with intimacy and things like that. But then she writes about her experiences that are pretty similar to the way Joe is behaving in Little Woman. So when people say that, is Little Woman a young adult novel? Is it a children's book? I think it's somewhere between. So when I was reading your book, starting from the first chapter, you can see how Joanne and Rick have this attraction towards one another. I recently wrote a post about it. I can read it for you. Joe and Fritz love at first sight. I was thinking Joe and Friedrich and love at first sight. I am one of those people who rather believe in lust at first sight. Love is what comes after the relationship deepens. And this is something I picked from marriage.com. Love at first sight could be an attraction at first sight. Now we don't want to make you feel as though your bubble has burst, but some people could say that love at first sight could be an attraction at first sight, and they wouldn't be wrong. People can immediately decide if they find someone attractive, and without that initial attraction, love at first sight cannot occur. Your brain knows exactly what it wants and can determine it. If the wonderful specimen you are talking to ticks the boxes in seconds, it's this response that often develops into a long-standing relationship. Well, yeah, because Joe was definitely super intrigued by Friedrich, even the first time that she saw him or interacted with him. So I think there was definitely something there. Yeah, like she literally moves the couch <laughs> She can see him better. And I was like, she wants to have babies. (laughs) I do like all of the books that I write. Some are easier than others. That one, the first, the subscribing to the enemy was the first time I had done 
a sweet romance. That one was kind of, I was kind of nervous while I was writing it because I didn't feel like I really even knew what I was doing. <laughs> so that one went a little bit slowly. The second book, which is the Megan John book, that one, I kind of had gotten the hang of this and I knew the characters a little better. And that one, and it had so many, so much source material from the original that I just flew through that one. That one was really easy to write. That one, I really like a lot of the interactions between Lori and John. Well, in my book, it was, his name was Brooke. The interaction between those two, the, I really enjoyed the whole kind of fish out of water trope of this kid who has grown up with nothing getting thrown into this mansion with they have all these smart appliances and the Alexa is talking to him out of the fridge and he's just kind of going what is going on here and I really liked writing those interactions that book was really fun to write the third book which was the Beth book was the hardest because there was not much to go on. I had to make up a lot of it myself. And actually one of my editor friends and beta readers, I sent it to her and I'm like, there is something wrong with this. I need help. It's not working out right. And she was actually able to give me some insights as to where I was kind of going wrong. And she actually kind of helped me fix it. That one was difficult. And then the fourth book, which was the Amy book, was, again, there was so much source material and the characters were so fun and funny that that book was really easy to write. My favorite ones to write were probably two and four. Nothing against the characters. (laughs) My characters of the other two, they were just harder. It was more work to get those characters down, but I did enjoy writing all of them. Just some were easier than others. Things get easier when you practice. I've had some podcast episodes that I've written in a in a whim. Then others take weeks or months. I think John is that kind of character that a lot of people don't really put themselves into his position. You don't really get, get to know that much about his background in a woman or people just sometimes ignore his character, which is a shame because I really like John. But I think Maybe it's because he's sort of an introverted character or he's described to be more of an introvert. I always liked John. He was in the anime. Maybe that's why I liked him. I think, yeah, he is more introverted and he's not quite as fun maybe as some of the other characters. But I I had a lot of fun writing that, my version of that character. I hope you like reading it. You'll have to let me know. Well, I think my favorite John actually might be in the 2018 film as well. I really liked the Meg and John dynamics there, even though he was in a very small part. And also the 1994 film. I think it has a very funny John, the 1994 film. I liked the John and the Greta Gerwig one too. There's some things I liked about that version, some things I didn't like. But I liked when he and Lori were... We're studying and Lori's just kind of walking on the furniture and he's like, look, there's a girl. And John's like, no, there's no one. Sit down. And turns out, yeah, Amy's being Amy outside the window, being all dramatic. And Oh, there is a girl out there. Have you had like people reading your book series who have not read The Little Woman? What kind of response you've got from them? 
Well, it's really interesting because two of my beta readers, one is my editor friend who helped me fix the Beth book. She really knew Little Women really well. And then I have a beta reader who's like my last line of defense basically she reads the paperback version it's like completely done and I'm just looking for typos and she had never read or watched Little Women and knew very little about Little Women so it was very interesting in the notes when they get to the part where we made USAA insurance to help you save take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride Discover how we're helping members save at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. Lori is about to, I think it was the part where he was about to tell Joe he was in love with her. (laughs) Mavia, my editor friend, was writing all these things like, no, don't do it. Oh, he's going to do it. No, 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 in the margins. (laughs) And Bree, my paperback beta reader, had written in the margin, I did not see that coming. It's very interesting to see that just the difference between the people who are familiar with Little Women and the people who aren't. I've gotten good responses from both Little Women lovers and people who are new to the story. I thought when I wrote them, I kind of thought it would be a very small niche of people who would be interested. I thought it was just going to be, you know, people like you and me who love Little Women and and will read anything related to Louisa May Alcott and Little Women. But a lot of people who haven't read Little Women or people who have only seen the movies have read them and have liked them. So I don't know. It's hard to tell, though, like based on reviews or sometimes people will say, I love Little Women and this is why I read this book. But a lot of times people just say what they liked or didn't like or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you're not sure. Oh, does this person know Little Women or not? Subscribing to the anime. I really like the whole YouTube as a creative outlet. I was trying to go for the whole how Joe wrote the sensation stories. And Friedrich was more of the scholar in the original. So in my book, they both have their YouTube channels. And Joe and Lori's is like this silly um, kind of lifestyle bloggers that do uh, crazy stunts and challenges, kind of like all the YouTube channels my kids love to watch. <laughs> I got a lot of inspiration for their YouTube channel by watching my kids' channels that they love with crazy guys who will like fill their whole house with with packing peanuts and then jump into the packing peanuts. Or the one lady got all these bath bumps and filled her bathtub and then it overflowed and it went through the the new bathroom floor into her basement and she had like hundreds of dollars of damage worth of of water damage in her basement because she was doing this silly YouTube video so I got a lot of inspiration from from those kind of YouTubers as to what Joe and Lori's would be like just this fun silly kind of thing that kids would subscribe to and they could monetize and she's trying to fund her film school tuition with the 
monetization of her her silly channel whereas rick has this serious channel about um, like hospital volunteers and people in the community making a difference and his is all serious and not silly and he thinks these channels where people are jumping into the packing peanuts or whatever they're doing are just ridiculous and so they end up of course having to work together and they discover you know there's more to each other than these online personas that they've kind of been portraying he's a lot more more fun in person than he seems and she actually has a lot more ambition than doing silly little pranks on youtube something that they never adapt is that joe and Lori both were kind of pranksters and silly and i don't know it's always they always seem so serious even when they're doing the silly things but i just wanted to kind of throw in their their immature flair that they have throughout part of the original and Lori's love for pranking people. <laughs> it's, it's really funny, some of the pranks that Joe and Lori do. And then it's really nice to see the contrast, how Rick or Frederick has more serious ambitions for his channel. And that's never in the adaptations. It really boggles my mind because it's really often mentioned in the novel and I'm like, do these filmmakers just skip these parts away or what's going on? I think they just yeah. idealize the character. They leave out the bad. I say bad, but that's one of the things I like most about Laurie's character. Why I think he's hilarious. I wouldn't <laughs> like it if he was pranking me, but I wouldn't be so so excited if I was Meg and he was bringing me ridiculous, ridiculous housewarming gifts. But as oh. a reader, it's funny. It was funny when I first time read it. Then now when I read it, I wouldn't like that if he would bring me those things that just break. But I can see why somebody would like that on a YouTube video or in that kind of context. You know, he's like 20-something when he does that. I think I just grew out of him and that happens to a lot of people. But then he matures a lot when he's with Amy, so then I forgive him. Yeah, he's really different with Amy and Beth. Like night and day. Like with Meg and Joe, it's always sort of very complicated relationship almost. But then with Amy and Beth, it's really different. He's very angelic with them, or at least with Beth. And with Amy, he just wants to be her knight. It's quite endearing. I don't know if it's because they're younger. Like he has like the big brother feelings towards Beth and Amy. And then not towards Amy later, but when they're younger or or what but yeah he's always so much sweeter to amy and bath and to megan joe he's just sometimes a super awesome friend and other times he's just being obnoxious it's it's really interesting i really wish we would see more of that in the adaptations but at least we got that in your book i thought it was really funny the part where they were throwing bath bombs to was it mr lawrence's yeah, Mr. Lawrence's pool. That was really funny. Then I also liked that how Joe didn't necessarily like the reputation that she was getting with the channel. She always kind of wanted to do something more serious and more worthwhile. But the channel was, you know, it was fun. It was something she did with her best friend and her sister. And, and it made money, kind of like 
Louisa May Alcott's and Joe's sensation stories. Louisa or Joe, I get them confused sometimes because she drew so much on her real life. But Joe is writing these sensation stories. And I think she likes writing them at first because, hey, she's an author and she people are buying her her stories and she's making money, but that's not really what she wants to do. And the book kind of makes it clear that the movies don't really make it clear. They make it sound like she loves to write these things and she's like super offended when Friedrich is saying, are these really the best literature? But in the book, she really is kind of doubting this herself. That's kind of how I translated it to 2020. In the book, it's not just a moral struggle. I think she even has nightmares about when she has to do the research for the for the stories. It gets her into a very dark place. I think that's what's, what is said in the novel. And what I know about Louisa May Alcott, I got the impression that she was always a bit embarrassed. Not all of the sensational story because she liked to write Sturm und Drang, but then some of the stories she was quite embarrassed by them. Louisa grew out of that. She wanted to be taken seriously as a writer, which also what Joe does in the novel. There's a lot of parallels. <laughs> but Louisa Malcott was a very complicated person. Yeah, she definitely was. I think we discussed about this in the Facebook group earlier that in your novel, when Amy destroys Joe's, was it a, a film? Film draft? <laughs> It really felt like it was done by a little 12-year-old girl and not by an adult person. I had this discussion with someone. One of the reasons why Amy Burns chose novel in the original story is because Louisa May Alcott was self-censoring herself. It's actually a really interesting theory. I think people give Amy way too much hard time on, the, on burning the manuscript because Joe is really bullying Amy throughout the novel in the first part not anymore in the second yeah and i've been thinking this a lot that a lot of people they because they identify so heavily with joe they sort of automatically dislike amy because of that and i think that's really a shame kind of missed the point that she's really not the most supportive big sister in the world Joe does kind of, she is, she's not very nice to Amy. Amy often gets the shaft, I think. <laughs> People don't like her because, I think because in the movies, she's made more of a an antagonist to Joe. And even in the book, they, they're kind of each other's antagonist. But it's not like Joe is Miss Perfect and Amy is just being a brat to be a brat. Joe is definitely giving the brattiness to Amy too. And when I was writing mine, I had to be careful because I knew Amy was going to get her own book later. And I didn't want people to not want to read that one or to go into it hating Amy. But I still needed to provide those conflicts. I guess my whole philosophy for this series was walk the line between this and this. <laughs> I didn't want to make Amy this unlikable character, but she did have to conflict with Joe. They're sisters, they fight. I think a lot of people just think that Amy stole Laurie from Joe, that's why they don't like Amy, but that never happens in the actual novel. 
yeah. people think there's this big little women love triangle and there's really not. But I, I, again, I can understand why people think that because that's what a lot of the movies portray it as. It's a shame because Amy and Laurie are a really good couple and so, so are Joe and Fritz. That was our discussion for today. Jen and I continue our chat next week. Make sure to tune back then. Take care and make good choices. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.